0: Good afternoon, I'm Leon Davis, and it is Saturday, April the 11th, the year 2020, and it's 2 p.m. Central Time, and it's now, you're listening to the podcast, Altitude Adjustment. Um, I first want to say I hope that this finds you and your loved ones in a safe position. We are experiencing something rather unique for um, our part of the world. Uh, having to uh, take drastic measures to avoid uh, death uh, over of a large part of our population. And so after this experience, we should you know have quite a bit of more knowledge towards um, dealing with the next pandemic uh, and thank those people who are out there helping to uh, maintain some level of normalcy in our lives. Um, the workers who help us with our groceries and um, help us getting around uh, such as the lyft and uber drivers um, the uh, medical personnel and uh, the emergency um, response units out there um, trying to make sure that we're okay as we try to get through this so i want to thank you very much for joining me this afternoon one of the things that um, I ran across this past week that really inspired this show was a video. Um, And I have featured this individual on my podcast before. Um, And so I I don't, so it is not that I'm picking on this individual. It's just that this video um, was easily accessible. I I saw the video and it, it, immediately triggered in me something, a topic that I really wanted to cover for a while. And this gave me the perfect opportunity. And it's about rationalization. Now, understanding the difference between rational, um, rationalization and logic it, to me is simple. Um, rationalization is about um, creating a set of arguments to achieve a predefined conclusion. So, you know where you want to go, and you'll pick arguments that support that to try to make your point that um, your end conclusion is logic and rational. Um, Most of the time, um, when that happens, you have to pick um, emotional arguments, and many times um, the the arguments. don't necessarily fit uh, the conclusion, but you use them anyway because they sound logical and reasonable. In a logic logic situation, um, you reach the conclusion by following a set of immutable facts. Facts don't change on a regular basis. They don't change quite often. But, so you, you go where the facts lead you And then you come up with a logical conclusion. So that's what I'm going to be talking about coming up in this hour. I hope you'll stay with me.
1: Welcome to Altitude Altitude Altitude. Altitude. Adjustment. Adjustment.
0: So uh, as I mentioned, um, I saw this uh, video and it just inspired me uh, a topic that that is important to me. It's um, something that, you know, logic and reason is, I think, the cornerstones of making good decisions because they they don't the facts don't change, and you're dealing with truths that don't sway with how you feel that day or what's going on in the situations. The, the facts exist, and they are what they are, and and so you deal with them in that way. And so, logic and reason, to me, is about making better decisions and understanding what rationalization is. First off, in order to understand rationalization, you have to understand if you're if you're uh, rationalizing, is you have to understand yourself. You have to be aware of your thought pattern, your behavior, are you presenting the facts with an attempt to to, um, sway the discussion or to drive the discussion in a direction? So if you're using facts to drive the discussion, you're more or less probably rationalizing because you, you only want to use the facts that support your argument and avoid those facts and uh, information that does not support your argument. So I'm gonna play this video clip, and then I'm gonna come back and try to talk about it a little bit.
2: Um. In his position, he's worried about being infected. You would be too. He doesn't wanna get sick or die, but he also has other worries. He doesn't wanna see America destroyed. He wants his grandchildren to grow up in the same kind of country that he did. Prosperous, stable, employed. He said all of that on our show last Monday. And almost immediately, the media outrage machine began belching smoke and making loud noises. Dan Patrick is telling old people to die for the stock market, they screamed. No, Dan Patrick was not doing that, not even close. He didn't say anything like that on the air, and that's not what he meant, but it didn't matter. Patrick was vilified in dozens of news stories as if he was trying to kill the elderly in order to to boost Exxon's share price. In an environment like this one, where reactive, emotionally incontinent people have the loudest megaphones, it's nearly impossible to see clearly or make wise decisions. That's true of everyone, and particularly everyone in power, even our most impressive and thoughtful officials. At yesterday's coronavirus briefing, Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked when the restrictions on normal life will end in this country. Here's how he replied.
0: If we get to the part of the curve that uh, Dr. Burke showed yesterday when it goes down to essentially no new cases, no deaths at a period of time.
2: So it'll be fixed when we have no new cases and no deaths. How long will that be? Almost nobody thought to ask. We've got to beat this disease. Details are irrelevant. Cost is no object. That's the feeling in Washington right now and certainly in the press corps that covers it. But details are always relevant. And there's always a limit to what we can pay. That's always true. Decisions we make today will echo for decades. They could radically change the future of this country. We need to try harder to keep perspective and to remain persistently open-minded in the face of this. What would have happened, for example, if we'd adopted a more conventional response to this epidemic? What if we'd asked the elderly and the immunocompromised and anyone else facing statistically higher rates of risk to stay inside, cloistered away? and then at the same time allowed the rest of the population to use informed common sense and continue to work. What if we'd done that a month ago? Would the death rate today be much higher than it is now? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But it's clearly a conversation we should have had before we locked the entire country down and put 10 million people out of work. But we didn't have that conversation. Instead, we outsourced the decision to public health officials. And that's the strange irony of the moment we're living through. One of the main lessons of this crisis is that the public health establishment failed us badly. The World Health Organization colluded with the Chinese government to lie about critically relevant facts during the early days of the outbreak. Once the coronavirus reached our shores, the CDC couldn't seem to produce working tests. Those were disasters. Many people died because the people we trusted to protect our health didn't do it. They've been thoroughly discredited. At the same time though, we're being asked to trust these same people without hesitation And for the most part, we are doing that. In other words, the experts failed, yet the experts now have more power than ever before. It's bewildering. In fact, it's reminiscent of 2008 when reckless behavior by the banks crippled the economy and crushed the middle class. But when it came time to fix it, we put bankers in charge of the cleanup. Now, this is not an argument against expertise. It's not even a populist argument. Of course, bankers understand finance. Epidemiologists understand coronavirus, far more than most people do. So turning to experts in crisis makes sense, and we should, and hopefully always will. But we can't allow experts to make the big decisions. That's not their job. This is a democracy. It is our job. Okay. So.
0: There were a lot of things in that video, and the reason I showed the whole video was uh, because I don't want to take things out of context. It is important that uh, that that you were able to hear him speak in um, a broader sense of you know the flow that he was using, the words that he was using, the um, the uh, attitude and and presentation of. Um, what he was talking about. Um, And so that you understand the context. Now there were several things in the, in the video that um, I completely disagreed with the um, items that I chose to pop up were items that I felt were easily recognizable as uh, rationalization. And, and I'm going to go through them and explain to you why I think they're rationalization. Um, and and you may have a different take on that. And uh, hopefully if you do, you'll be able to share that with me. One of the things that I think is important about understanding the difference between rationalization and um, uh, logic is that um, when you're using logic, you realize that there's always an opportunity to gain valuable information by listening. It is important that you listen because no one person or no no one group of people can contain all of rational logic, rational information, and so even people who such as um, Tucker Carlson is probably going to be able to touch on something that um, has some rational basis or some logical basis that may be beneficial, and so. If you dismiss, then you may miss out on um, some information. So, um, so I think it was important to 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 understand that you know listening is a is a big part of logic and reason. Um, so let me start with. Uh, so he talked about um, one of the first things he talked about was America being destroyed and jobs being lost and um, things not being profitable. Well, the way that our society works now is only one of several methods for a society to be prof- profitable and prosperous and function well for all the people involved every system has some um, drawbacks every system has some things that need to be that may need to be tweaked in order for for the majority of the people or all of the people to be served by that society so the belief that if the impact that the shutdown from the coronavirus is going to destroy America is is without foundation, um, America wasn't always what America is today. It happened over years. It happened over uh, iterations of um, laws and changes to laws <clears throat> and recognition of Um, where things needed to be adjusted in order to build the society that we have now. So the idea that it's going to all go away because things have changed is counter to reality because the reality is uh, 50 years from now, what we see as our society is probably not going to be what it is today. It's going to be changed. It is going to grow. It is going to morph into something else. So growth is going to continue to happen. So hyperbole, such as uh, destroying America is not to the benefit of somebody who's trying to logically address an issue. Now, um, in the short term, may it have an impact? Well, of course, it's going to have an impact. It may have a great, pardon me, a greater impact than, um, say, Um, the value of the dollar. The value of the dollar changes how we function in our society. It changes what things we can purchase and um, it changes how we interact with other countries. So so things are constantly modifying. Things are constantly changing, but that doesn't mean society has been wrecked because there has been a change. So One of the examples also that I wanted to point out was, so right now we have several ways that management teams or management is selected in our society. So we have uh, uh, company owners who may select management if they choose to be the manager of their own company and that's, that's a choice, they have chosen, they have selected that management uh, for that. We have um, bo- uh, corporate boards that select management, and we have uh, government that may select management. And so the fact that we have three different methods for selecting management, does not necessarily mean that any one of those is going to cause a traumatic or breakdown in the whole system. It just is different ways to accomplish the same thing because if the management of a company does not function as it should, is not bringing about the results that is necessary, then that manager will be replaced regardless of who does the replacing. So there are people in, our, in society who believe that um, one selecting one um, particular way to, in order to select management is better than another one. But that's not necessarily logic and reason because <clears throat> that's emotional. That's a choice. You're, you're choosing the, the fact that Management is being chosen, being picked. Who picks it is not relevant to um, whether that action is going to make for profit or prosperity or not. It It is factual that I'm going to say this that a company requires management. Who selects management is not that significant. So, when the argument is made about who should select management, who should select that manager, that is not, that is more um, emotional based, that is more choice based, and not necessarily fact based. So, getting back to his uh, belief or his statement that um, that America's going to be uh, destroyed because of the shutdown, um, there aren't necessarily a lot of facts in his um, argument, immutable facts, facts that don't change. Um, that that this shutdown is going to cause the destruction of American society, of, of um, um, the American economy. So so if the argument he's making that um, that the American economy will be destroyed, and there is reasonable expectation that that's reasonable um, evidence that that's not necessarily true, then then what would be the motivation for making that statement? So the motivation would be making that statement then is he likes the current economic system that is in place. He likes the way it functions. It functions for him. And by having to deal with a different situation, a different stimulus or a different um, catalyst, in, in how the um, economy functions he is making a emotional choice to say that the economy is going to be destroyed well it's not going to be destroyed it may change and, and that's going to happen regardless of whether um, the coronavirus came or not um <clears throat> there was going to be change and um so at this point it would seem that his his reticence to this change um can be tied to his personal um enrichment um because because you know he's 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 in a position where it could impact him greater than than other people in the economy, and so he's making an argument that is not necessarily factual. Um, it has some logic involved, but it is more of an emotional argument than it is a factual argument. So um, he goes on, <clears throat> and he he makes the statement about emotionally incontinent people um, can't make good decisions so if we if I've just identified that he's making emotional arguments then it would stand to reason that he's not making good decisions because he's showing that He's emotionally invested in an outcome and may not be looking at the logical um, factors that need to go into the decision-making about whether, uh, how we should approach um, the changes in our economy, the, the impact of this uh, shutdown on our economy Um, what one of the things that that I see is we've not had a full shutdown we've not been in full shutdown mode before and we don't we are learning how to adjust how to deal with that what are the pros and cons? What are the things that need to be weighed? What are the things that need to be um, adjusted or or dealt with in in dealing with a pandemic of this nature? So first, uh, one of the things about um, experts. Experts aren't going to be 100% correct. Um, There are too many variables in any situation to be 100% correct. But what experts do is they have worked with a particular um, topic or um, a particular uh, set of circumstances and they are aware of some of the pros and cons of if we try this, or if we don't do that, or if we don't try that. Um, And the reason that they're experts is because they have more knowledge about the impact and the ability to deal with that situation than most people do. And that's that's where the expertise comes from, such as, if you've worked at a job for uh, X number of years, um, you have come up with the best way to approach the job. You you find you work to find the best solution. You work to find um, the set of circumstances that is going to get the job done in uh, its in its as best it can be done. You've made some mistakes. Um, you cannot become better at what you do if you do not make mistakes, because making those mistakes gives you information about what not to do, how to avoid problems, how to avoid things that don't bring about the best outcomes in achieving what you want to achieve. But that doesn't mean that once you have all that knowledge that you won't learn something different that you won't learn something, a new factor that you have to take into consideration um, to hone your expertise. In science, it happens all the time. They find uh, a new way to approach a particular virus or um, um, understand something new about um, the way the universe functions That doesn't make them not experts and that doesn't make them um, wrong yes they're going to make mistakes because we don't know everything and so as we include new information as we um, include new data we adjust old data and expectations to include that so we quite possibly can make mistakes but the experience that we do have gives us um, gives experts the opportunity to say, if you do that, this is going to be the outcome. This is what's going to possibly happen or most likely happen if you do this or if you don't do this. And that's what um, uh, Dr. Fauci and others were brought to the conversation was these are these are tried and true um, methods for dealing with things of this nature, and anything other than that may bring about this different um, outcome that you, you don't want. And so he goes on. And uh, again. Trying to get back and understand rationalization. Part of rationalization is um, if you don't have the facts, if you don't have logical and reasonable data, you use fear. So part of, there was, there was nothing about Dr. Fauci's statements about how long the virus is going to go on. That was in any way relevant to um, dealing with the virus, uh, dealing with the economic uh, situation. None of, none of that was relevant. Um, and so, it was it was an emotional play to skew any effort by um, people who follow the, the medical practice, follow oh, Dr. Fauci, to to skew his um, people's view of him so that they would emotionally identify or deal with the data rather than logically dealing with the data. He goes, he goes on to speak um, later on about um, how experts are necessary, but yet he trashed the, the very uh, experts that he said we need. And he never, uh, you know, things like the um, CDC failed us. Um, and, and, and again, there are issues about that, that I would like to cover, but I'm not going to cover because it's getting down into the weeds. And, and I want to, um, keep the focus on rational behavior versus irrational behavior. Um, so One of the things that um, he brought up was um, what if all of the um, at-risk people locked themselves away and everyone else went forward dealing with the economy. So by doing that, so first off, In a a crisis situation, an immediate crisis situation, you're going to fall back on best practices. You're going to fall back on what you know works and you're not going to take risky um, chances until you are sure that that risk is not going to cause greater harm than doing what you know to be right at that particular point. So he made mention that we didn't have a discussion about possibly implementing his secondary solution. Um, So he's not only um, belittling the process by which the experts did their job, what you'd expect an expert to do to not come in with wild theories and possibilities and to have a long-winded discussion about what possibly should happen, what maybe should happen. Is that going to create more problems? As he admits, he doesn't know, but he, he wants to have a discussion about it when people who are experts have said, if you don't do this, if you don't take immediate action, this is the results of that. He has zero, as far as I can tell, zero ability to dispute what the medical profession put forth as solutions. Um, I'm gonna, I had some uh, information about his plan and I'm gonna skip that. Um, there were a lot of um, people who weren't at risk that got sick with the coronavirus and deathly sick and some died. And so that plan had holes in it. It was even from the beginning, it had holes in it. So, you know, just putting it out there. Um, so in a discussion <coughs> pardon me, and you're trying to get to a logical and reasonable um conclusion you don't throw untested data into or untested uh, facts or ideas into uh, trying to get to a reasonable logical reasoned conclusion and um, that was that was a far fetched so it was if it wasn't thought out and it wasn't reasoned and it didn't and it wasn't An immutable fact, then it only can be an emotional, unreasoned fact, uh, unreasoned um, solution or idea, um, which then becomes rationalization. check out my notes here. And so um, in this video, he talked about the uh, World Health Organization as uh, colluding with China to give bad information. And I found that video where, where he made that argument in greater detail. And I found just as much emotional um, input into how he achieved his solution. And I I included uh, the link to the uh, video in uh, the description. So go to the description of this podcast and you'll be able to actually see, uh, I didn't want to bore you with a lot of videos, but uh, you could actually see him making emotional arguments um, instead of using logic and reason. And finally, he talks about um, experts should not make the big decision. Again, another really emotional and bad argument. If the experts don't make the decisions, who should make the decisions? And I stopped and thinking about that. So Dr. Fauci never walked to a podium and said, this is what we're going to do. There was no medical expert that walked to a podium or to a microphone or to a camera and said, this is how we're going to deal with this. The people who are tasked with making that decision spoke to these um, experts and got their input on it. and. The people who made the decision were supposed to be experts at gathering points of differing points of view, gathering information to make informed decisions and to take the big picture into effect. Now, that doesn't mean that Dr. Fauci does not have, because he's a medical expert, does not mean he's not an economics expert, also. And no one has proven that he does not have the economic bona fides to make the calls that he made that would impact not only the medical aspect of the lockdown, but also the economic aspect of the lockdown. So if you can't discredit Dr. Fauci's um, behavior or counsel in this situation um, you can't say that experts can't make, big, make the big decisions in this in this instance the, the people that needed to make the decisions or who are tasked with making decisions made the decisions the people who are experts who are tasked with providing the information to make the important decisions did their job so all the way down the line everything was done proper and in the right way but because he did not receive the solution that he wanted, he had to vilify the whole process so that he can say that uh, that there were other ways to achieve uh, what he what we should have achieved, and yet um, all of his uh, attempts at Um, logic and reason were all emotional based Um, and he said it himself earlier that um, the emotionally incontinent aren't going to make good decisions one of the things that I have believed about uh, Tucker Carlson since the first time I saw him um, is that he is not very self aware He is not aware of how he's motivated by his own feelings. And I'm not saying that to be angry or to vilify him. It is just simply an observation. It is simply what I believe to be a factual observation that he is not self-aware. If he is self-aware, he does not show it. Um, When he's interviewing people, if he disagrees with you, he will interrupt you incessantly so that you don't get your point out, so that you don't um, build a case logically and reasonably for whatever your argument is. Um, By doing that, by um, interrupting you, um, it is an attempt to not allow you an opportunity to provide a valid strong argument supporting whatever it is that you logically believe is the case and to do that it is an emotional behavior you may look at it and say well uh, it's logical and reasonable to believe that I don't think that what you're about to say, I may be comfortable about what you're, I may be confident that I know what you're gonna say and I'm gonna interrupt you because it's not worth hearing. And one of the things, um, I, hopefully I said it earlier, but one of the things that is most important about logic and reasoning is listening. You have to listen to the other person, and maybe they do repeat themselves, or maybe they provide new information that allows you to update the data that you update the ideas that you have or your understanding of a situation. And that's what's important. So, um, I'm gonna say I'm done here. And I want to thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. I'll try to be back next week. Um, and hopefully uh, you and yours will be safe.
1: That concludes this episode. And thank you for listening. This podcast is designed for live listener interaction. Visit the website, the lions den slash home for details about how to join the conversation. The video version of Altitude Adjustment is available on YouTube. Search for Lions Den STL, and the audio podcast is available on Stitcher.com, Anchor.fm, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Look for Altitude Adjustment where you get your podcast, and consider making a contribution by visiting Anchor.fm/Altitude-Adjustment2. Remember, the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please, like, share, and comment on this and other episodes, because it matters. As always, be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful, look out for the other guy, because they may not be looking out for you.